What do you do when you fail the required exam repeatedly? Hi, welcome to a hard conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today's listener question, wow, we've all kind of been there when uh, we just need to pass a test. It's, you know, some of us, <laughs> some of us who are getting on in years, it's probably been a while since it was an exam or a test that was standing in the way of the life we wanted or the business we wanted. But we've all been there when we needed to pass a midterm, a final, something that was going to get us the grade or something that was going to get us to the next step of where we wanted to be. And when something outside of ourselves, something like an exam, is the thing that gets in the way, it's so frustrating because you can study, you can prepare, you can take all the pre-tests, you can do all of the test prep, you can ask everybody for help, and you can do your best to be super prepared, but still fail. What happens when you do that repeatedly? When do you know when it's time to just say, not my gig, like maybe this isn't for me, I have to move on? How, after failing repeatedly, do you come up with still yet another way to attack it or to try? And how do you not let the failure change your story of who you are and what you're capable of? That's what today's listener is struggling with. And I've totally got her back. Just to clarify for people who may not be familiar with the social work licensing, because that's what the test is that this particular listener is struggling with. Social work license, depending on state, vary. But the overall expectation is that once you get your master's degree in social work, you have to be supervised for two years, sometimes three years, by someone with an independent clinical license. And then you have to take a test in order for you to be able to independently practice yourself. So for me, myself, when I was running my private practice, I needed that L-I-C-S-W, the I being for independent clinical social worker, in order to run my private practice. Each state varies in what their um, sort of descriptors are or the level of licensure. But basically, if you want to own a private practice, if you want to be able to like sort of hang your own shingle out and say, I work for myself, I run my own business, I'm independently billing insurance, I'm independently diagnosing patients, you need that independent license to do so legally. That's where today's listener finds herself. So let's dive into her question and then I'll find you all on the other side. Heather, I'm not sure if this is a question for your show or not, but if it is, you're welcome to use it. I am reaching out because I need your advice. Like you, I'm a social worker and I have my LCSW license. I've been eligible for my LICSW license for the past year and a half. It has been my intention to go into private practice once licensed to do so. I've gone as far as I can in my field with my current license and I'm ready for the next step. Heather, I can't pass the test. I just failed it for the third time.
If I thought for a second that this meant I was not qualified to be a private therapist, I would just let it go. I know, though, that this is just a standardized test and tells nothing of who I am or how much I can help people. People keep asking me when I'm going to get licensed, and I can't bring myself to tell them how long I've actually already been trying for. I used a test prep book for this last try, and while the pre-test indicated I was doing better, it didn't show up on my test scores. I don't know what's wrong with me, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm so humiliated, but I'm also feeling so very stuck. I'm ready to start my own business. I'm ready to put myself out there. Hell, I'm even ready to market, and most of your people are scared to death to do that. But this test is in my way. Failing it repeatedly is embarrassing me, frustrating me, and is really attacking my confidence. What can I do here and what are my options? Okay, first, I just want you to take a deep breath. Um, I... Gosh, this is so hard. Um, I I know when you want something and it's just a stupid test standing in the way, it can just feel so defeating. And when you fail repeatedly, when it's not just a fluke on the first try and you do a quick little pivot to your study process and you figure it out for the next one, but now that you're on your third try, you have no idea what isn't working. You don't know why it's you know such a struggle for you and you don't know what to do next because you feel like you've already tried all the things. It's going to be really easy to focus on all the things you don't know. Let that be for a second. And the first thing I want you to do, and you're not going to like this answer at all, by the way, but you have to cry it out. And if you're not a crier, you have to like release it somehow, pound it out, go to a boxing gym, hit the bag a couple of times, um, go stomping up some stairs, rip up paper, toss pillows across a room. But you have to get the energy, the frustration and the sadness out of you. Because one of my stories is, is that if people don't know that you've been taking this test, if people don't know you've been working so hard to pass it, then you haven't been sharing your story, which means you haven't been releasing it. So every, you know, sort of subsequent time you're going into this test taking environment, you're bringing every failure with you and it hasn't been released and you're holding the tension and you're carrying it with you. And it's bound to inform the story you're telling yourself about yourself. Now, for this particular example, um, I don't know which state you reside in. I can tell you that when I took my LI a million years ago, so many of the questions were open to interpretation. We would get questions like, a kid just reported abuse to you. What's the first thing you do? And there's a list of four things, and you would do all four of them. And what the specific order would be would be the thing that would trip you up. And it's my story that if I've taken such a test and you're looking, I don't know how much the questions have changed over the years, but it's my story that if you're looking at that test and you're taking it for the third time, you are now in a place where you're constantly asking yourself, what did the test takers want to hear? Or, you know, what did I say last time? And that was probably wrong. So I need to say something differently this time. 
It's my story that you are very likely overthinking the question. That part of this is that you just need to get refocused on good test-taking skills, on how to slow yourself down, how to get focused, how to not keep talking and second-guessing yourself out of your gut reaction decisions, and really sort of hone in on some of those skills. Now, the one thing that I would tell you is that depending on what, you know, your um exam results are telling you, depending on what area you're weaker in, I would absolutely at this point, at this point in time, hire help. I would look up in your local area, people who can help you take this test, people who can look at your test results, interpret where you're struggling, and help you find a new plan of attack. I absolutely agree with you that this standardized test does not indicate whether or not you would be good or not good as a private therapist, but it does tell you the areas where you're more prone to struggle. And as an independent business owner, test be damned, that's still good feedback to know. It's still good to know where your areas of strength are as a clinician and as a provider and where your areas of weakness are. So I would reach out, I would invest in getting some help. I would consider perhaps taking a class, but given that you face this test three times now, if you can just get somebody to work with you one-on-one for a couple of hours who can kind of look at your, you know, test results and see where you, you know, might be going wrong, I would just ask for help and get some direction because my guess is three times in a year and a half into this exam, you're entirely in your own head and you're second guessing yourself. I think a really good resource, I don't know if you've moved away from where you went to graduate school or not, but a really good resource is usually your career center at your graduate office. So if you were to go back to your graduate school of social work and look at their career center, you might be able to ask for support or resources that they have for other people who are struggling. It's not an uncommon struggle. It's, you know, what happens to a lot of people is you you go to school, you get your degree, then you go to the field and you start doing the work and you just, you forget about your test taking skills and you forget about study habits and you try to study for the test the way you would do your job. And as we know, sometimes the test answers and the real life answers aren't exactly the same answers. So I think that the first step for you is you have to like shake it off, right? Like you have to release it. You have to get it out of your body and like just push it out of you. Because if you're sort of carrying every failure with you, you're bringing a really heavy burden to the table the next time you take that test. I would get an outside perspective on this so that you have a new plan of attack so you can feel more in control of it, that you feel like you're in the driver's seat as you take this test. But also too, just the fact that you're hiring and investing in, you know, in this test, you're showing yourself that you're willing to do what it takes. You're making that commitment and you're not just doing the same old thing and sometimes when we change our behavior, we, you know, we're able to change that story about ourselves. And if you see yourself doing something different for this test, you'll be able to bring that story of new behavior and new actions to the test in front of you. Now, the next thing you're asking me is how do you not let this like just totally hit your confidence and change your story about yourself? Well, it sounds like part of it is in your gut, you know that it hasn't changed who you are as a clinician, but that it feels 
feels bad. It's embarrassing. And you, you know, worry what other people would think or feel about it. All of that is, you know, is perfectly true. But the other thing I just want to remind you, (laughs) you're probably not going to like this one either, but like, this is going to be a really good way that someday when you have your therapy client in front of you, you're going to be able to relate to them. Because they're going to be talking to you about trying their best of thinking that they followed all the steps that they really did choose the best possible answer and it didn't work out for them. And you're going to have developed the empathy and the experience to know exactly how that feels. This experience right now is going to serve you and help you be better for your clients in the future. What is right now won't always be. I also want you to pay attention to something. Right now, you're looking back at your past year and a half and you're marking it with failure. And you're saying that you're in this dead-end job, you can't get any higher without this independent license. And I understand the way the field works. I, I know you're not making a thinking error there. I know that there's a ceiling for you without the LI. Um, and you're just you know, sort of creating this woe is me story. I just want you to recognize what I see. I see somebody who's taking initiative, who even after the third failure, isn't contemplating failure. You came at me with the, how do I do this question? What do I do this now? What do I do now question? That speaks to your strength. It speaks to your resiliency. It speaks to your character. And it's entirely badass. This is just a fluke. I don't know if you're bringing a learning disability to the table. I don't know if you have a whole heck of a lot going on personally that's also distracting you while you're trying to take the test. I don't know what the story is, but I can tell you what I see from your behavior as someone who will not be brought down by a test. So you have a choice here, my friend. You can look at the descriptor of trying for a year and a half and failing three times, or you can look at the descriptor of somebody who refuses to stay down. You get to pick your story. You get to choose your truth. Both are equally true. You have absolutely failed this test three times. But what's the point of defining yourself by that? By each time, because you know each time you've been knocked down, you have gotten back up. And the other thing I would just sort of remind you here is like, you don't have to like it. <laughs> you don't have to be super psyched that you're getting this personal development lesson that you're like, that you have to take it on a chin. You can be swearing and cursing and moaning and groaning and complaining the entire way. You just need to pass the damn test. And you know that. You don't have to like it. You don't have to have your smile on. Uh, you just have to do it. And whatever you need to do to get it done, um, I would do it. And I, I would get some outside help because because my guess is you're um, if I just if I just had to guess somebody who's you know failed the test three times I don't think and you've been studying and preparing I don't think we're talking about you can't get the diagnosis right or you can't nail down the new DSM and its answers my guess is it's on those personal judgment calls where you're tripping yourself up and I could be making this up entirely and creating all kinds of stories about you but I know this exam so much was you know a test of instincts and a test of judgment and um, those are easy to talk 
talk yourself out of and around and try to second guess what the test takers want. So um, I would review that with a skilled professional and because right now I'm just doing it as a mind reader and you know that's <laughs> that's a little bit risky and, and susceptible to poor judgment and inaccurate information. But get somebody who knows the deal to look at this test. Um, invest in yourself. I, I know that the darn test is expensive. My guess is the book you bought was probably a chunk of change as well. Um, but this is worth it. And when you uh, move into private practice, even though I'm not happy with the reimbursement rates, even though I think insurance companies should pay clinicians way more, you do know that your hourly uh, rate will go up, how much you're making per hour. So you'll make your money back, but invest in you, my friend. Um, I'm so sorry that it's so hard. Um, it should be, <laughs> it shouldn't be this way when people just want to change the world and do something, you know, to improve the lives of other people. But I know you've got this. Um, on the side, the other thing I would do, which is perfectly not at all related to what you're asking me, and I'm probably overstepping um, a little bit, but from one social worker to another, from one dreamer to another, one of the things that I would also tell you is don't wait to build your dream until you pass the damn test. I think it's okay to live as if this is happening. There's a lot you can do um, as you wait to take the test. So for example, you could go to psychology today and you could look up, don't don't go and do this now because that part isn't quite legal, but go to psychology today and look at the way therapists uh, describe themselves and advertise themselves on their listing. You can write your own listing and keep it in your desktop or laptop or tablet, whatever, um, so that as soon as you get licensed and you're able to practice independently, you you can press go on that. I would think about what you want to brand yourself as if you're going to use your own name. I will tell you absolutely positively you need a website so you can start building um, and getting help on that. There's a lot of resources for that. I would start to think about specifically what are the issues you want to treat, who like what's the population you want to treat while you are studying for the test. And I know that this is a lot because you're also working full-time still in all of that. But what happens and how does your story change? Instead of saying like, I can't do any of this until I pass the test, how do you shift and move differently when you start moving through the world as if this is happening and you just have to pass the test to make it official? I think it changes the energy. I think it changes the intention. And I think it changes your attitude. And I, you know, and I'm not at all implying, as I say that, that you have a bad attitude. I'm just saying that when you you, when you do things with intention, when you do things with specificity and they're direct, deliberate attempts to live the life you want, other things have this way of shifting into place. So don't sit on go. Don't make this thing be the, this test be the thing you have to get past in order to do anything else. Just start building the business. Start figuring out where you're going to rent your office. Start, you know, thinking about how you want to decorate your office. All of those things that right now feel so far away and feel like a total setup to, you know, to, to sort of manage if you were to fail the test again. We just know that you want this. We know you're going to do this and we know you can. 
So just start living as if. Make the plans, make the decisions, build the business so that when you pass the darn test, you're ready to launch and you're ready to go. I'm so sorry you're feeling so discouraged, but I don't think you have to stay that way for long and you get your fresh start, you get your clean slate. So go ahead, grab it and go for it and let us know how it turns out for you on the other side. Thanks so much for finding the show and reaching out to me. I really appreciate it. Anybody else has a question and wants my two cents on it, you can always find me over at heather at choose to have it all.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.